Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are at The Morning Black, Building Leaders in Cultural Knowledge. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and here we are once again in the Vale of Paradise, right here in Valparaiso. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are again, and I have a co-host this morning. Byron's back in town. Good morning. Yeah. Good How, morning, good morning, good morning. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Just happy okay. to be in, in town. In to town. hang out a little bit. You know? Hang out a little bit. Oh, yeah. Where uh, you been? Where you been? Uh, I've been a little bit everywhere. You know, we uh, jumped over from, uh, had to run down to Texas for a conference for a little bit. Shout out to the Racial Unity Leadership Summit. It was a powerful time down there in uh, Dallas as we were... Uh, there with the family of Botham Jean, uh, his mom and, and dad and, and brothers and sisters were there. And, and we were just there having a conversation in the city of Dallas about what needs to be done about this thing called race and racism in America. And so we had some incredibly provocative conversations down there and just want to give love to everybody that was on the panels and, and different uh, forums down there. Um, met a lot of good uh, people in the uh, struggle for uh, racial justice and equality, and so it was good to meet uh, those folks. And uh, you know, we were, we just had a good time. Then after that, I had to go, you know, I had to go celebrate my anniversary. I made it. I made it two years. Me two and, years. Me and yeah, me and Funke made it two years, and so Funky and you, Funke and, and me, made it two years. All right. And so we y'all still in love. Still in love. Still in love. Still in love. Still sparkle when you see her. I still sparkle when I see her. All right. That's that's a blessing. Yeah. That's yeah. a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we had to go went down to Louisville. Me and I, uh, we, don't, we don't sparkle no more, but we spark. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it a spark, but there, there's, there's a spark. There's, there's a spark. A, watch out. Watch out. It's, start a fire. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so, no, just great. Went down to Louisville and had a good time down there. Louisville's got some interesting things going on. There's some... Kentucky? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hell. Uh, no, hey, there's like this uh, interesting black renaissance that's going on in Louisville. Oh, yeah? I mean, just tons of, of black-owned... In Louisville. In Louisville, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some family tons, there. Tons of, you know, black-owned businesses and different things like that. I want to give a shout-out to Bougie Biscuits. Bougie Biscuits. Uh, Bougie Biscuit. This uh, sister has a store there called Bougie Biscuit, and she was she showed love even though I showed up after she sold out. She's like, "Nah, you made it inside. I gotta feed you." And she, okay. you know, made biscuits for us. And then um, uh, shout out to this place called Super Chefs. Both Super Chefs. Super Chefs. Black owned restaurants, and uh, their whole theme is. Um, is being a superhero theme on Chef. So it was great. Got to spend some time. Went to the uh, Muhammad Ali Museum. Wow. And okay, so yeah. That was, yeah, uh, yeah. man, they did that thing right. Yeah. It was, it was a, it's an amazing museum yeah. on, on his life. While we shout now, let me, let me shout out our summertime gathering in the park, Tower Park. We're going to do that on June 29th. We're going to start that from 12 o'clock to about 3 p.m. We're going to have food. We're going to have little bouncy bouncy houses and T-shirts for kids. It's being sponsored by Northwest Indiana African American Alliance, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Valparaiso, and also the Valparaiso Police Department. All going to be there. We want to invite everybody out on that and, you know, come and, you know, do some community police and community relations as well as have a good time. You know, we're going to, that's Tower Hill Park. That's uh, 104 Billings Street, June 29th, 12 to 3 p.m. Everybody's yeah. welcome. Going to have food, going to have fun. Hope it's a sunny day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I know it's going to be hot. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's talk about what we're going to deal with this morning. This morning, we're going we're gonna to talk a little about um, media narratives 
and their influence on unrepresented communities, media narratives. Now, first of all, what I want to do is I want to take a little time. Let's, let's see if we can um, give a definition, that a working definition on yeah. media narratives. What are we saying when we talk about national media narratives? Well, let's, 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 uh, let's, put it in, let's put it in like this. We have to understand that there's a reason they call it your television program. There's a reason they call it a radio program. And the reason is because they are programming individuals to see things and to understand things from a certain vantage point, right? A program is typically planned out. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, and they all have a goal of seeing something done and something accomplished by that programming, right? And so we have to understand when a program is in place, it is making an intentional intervention into some aspect of your life, whether we're talking about uh, your psyche, whether we're talking about your, uh, if, we're, so if it's a fitness program, it's supposed to do something to you physically, Right. If it's a medical program, like uh -huh. it's supposed to make some type of intervention in your life to shift you to being a certain type of way. And so when we start talking about what's happening, when you string a group of these programs together that have the functionality to push people to think a certain way. Right. You're actually producing a narrative. Right. Like so you're producing an overarching story that you want individuals to operate from. No matter what the program from. is. Well, all programs, all programs are, are working to produce a narrative. Right. And, and we Sports? have to all programs. OK. All programs are working to produce a narrative. Right. And, and we have to be mindful of how those narratives are interacting in our lives. Now, the narrative it, when we string together all these programs, we get a bunch of little stories that turns into a larger story, a larger way of thinking, a larger framework, our worldview that is being uh, sent and pushed onto individuals. And if you're not mindful that you're being narrated in a certain way, uh, you start to think that that narrative is the only story out there. Wow, and 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 the and the danger uh, of that being the only story out there is the fact that just like everything else in the world that's touched by humanity, um, those narratives and a lot of those things those narratives will say have the potential to be fallible, and they have the potential to be corrupted, and they have the potential to be levied to push against certain groups of people and certain things in order for somebody's goals or somebody's demands or somebody else's needs to be accomplished. And so... The now, narrative is is extremely a, powerful. I dated. I dated. This is dated. This is this is about. This is pretty old. Uh, this this came out uh, from the University of Chicago Press. This was in two thousand and one, uh, but it, it still seems to be relevant. Uh, uh, these guys, Entman and Rojeki, wrote a, a a piece talking about the black image in the white mind in the white mind media and race in America. And it says, living in a segregated society, white Americans learn about African Americans not through personal relationships, but through the images the media show them. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And, you know, he said, and uh, the, the black image and white man offers the most comprehensive look at the intricate ra racial patterns in the mass media and how they shape the ambivalent. Wow. Wow. The ambivalent. Sorry about that. Um, attitudes of whites towards blacks. And they use basically they in this particular study they use basically the media they concentrated on television. You think television does that? Yeah, I mean images are are dangerous, right? That's why we say you know pictures are worth a thousand words. Okay, so I'm gonna put you to, I'm gonna put you to test on this. Okay, all right, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Test one. Test. <sighs> Tiger Woods wins the Masters, mm -hmm. and the president gives him. Some kind of metal, mm -hmm. right? What 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 was what, what was the the narrative? Two narratives are probably at play when you think about that, right? Like, so it's not just one narrative, so it's probably multiple narratives that are at play. I think the first one that we see is um, 
this. I, I'm gonna re- tell you what I think. Go, you yeah, yeah, no, but I think the first thing we see at play is this redemptive story, right? Like Tiger Woods came back from his his fallen state, right? Like he was like considered perfect until this major fall, and now he's come back from that and come back to win, and he did that because when you now go to receive this medal, right? He did that in such a way that now, ah, I need to be in relationship with this current president, uh-huh. right? As a part of that narrative, right? Like I was, uh, it kind of spins off like, we're so proud of, of Tiger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, right? Like, So it, he's it, trying to redeem a, himself from the domestic violence that he com- committed with that? The domestic, you mean that was committed against him? Uh, and, they were committing each other. I, I, I think he was just ducking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the story I read. Okay, but but the, the but the level of 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 the the cheating and everything from that, but then mm-hmm. also the fall in, in 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 sports world, right? Like he wasn't. He became a shell of himself, inability, the back pains, the injuries, all those things that happened. Okay, right. And now you go to the White House, and it's like, hey. You're all the way back. I've officially made you whole, right? Enough to give you the highest medal that any civilian can get. I've officially made you 100% whole. You're now an American treasure again. And you should now proceed in life as if you're an American. Okay. You're not. So you you're think not, that, you're that's not, what you're the POTUS did, the President of the United yes, States? Yes, you're not. I, you're, you're not. You. I've awarded you this medal, seal of you're, approval. This seal of approval. Don't worry. You're not black anymore. You're back to being tiger. You're 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 an American. Okay. Now, all right. Now, I love the way that you put that in. I got that. I got that. Now, this is how I would spin it. Mm-hmm. It's, it would be a little more, you know, rugged. The new Negro plays golf. Okay. So look. So so, golf. Okay, the sport, as well as how he is portrayed, taking what you've already said, uh, um, this is the caricature of how the new Negro needs to be. Okay, so uh, taking away the falling from grace kind of thing, the the, the domestic style, all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. basically, um, the, the, the perspective is... You know, these are the new patterns of approval. I would I would fit with your your context that you know the seal yeah. of approval, but I I, I think it's it, it ups the ante uh, a bit in terms of saying how we look at identity and race and class in America. Yeah, I, w- I would say it definitely it inches into the uh, conversation on class. I, w- I would. See, that's where we gotta like. I we'll have to take some time and do the historical because, like, there's been this, like, so the concept of the the new Negro versus the old Negro, right, right. right. Like, we have to. There are some pros inside of looking inside of those categories, but I think there's also some cons, some very strong cons. Give me a con. Of, well, I think one of the cons is that I don't want to be limited. To the expanse or the understanding of the the old Negro, right? Like, so I know folks that I mean have been playing golf before I was born. So we're talking about thirty plus years, forty plus years now, right? Like, so at what point? At what point is that not new stuff? And that's just like, hey, some black people do this, some black people do that. Like, where where does where does it come? Where's into the this? demarcation? Where's the demarcation of the? Of the new, the well, new Negro. For me, for me, the demarcation uh, uh, decidedly falls in terms of class. And so, and so, in, uh, yeah. in the African American community, because right. we're talking about national, we're talking about national narratives and their influence on unrepresented communities, right? And so, so class, 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 class is, is a then, definite demarcation, right? And so then we, then we, because everybody didn't ha- don't have enough money to buy g- golf clubs. No, you're in you're the African American community. No, you're one hundred percent. You're one hundred percent right. Right. But class. But that's what we know about class. Right. Class runs across everything. Okay, Right. And so there are tons of people that don't have those access. Right. But there are tons of folks that don't have access. I mean, you talk about other expensive sports to play. Right. Like, sure. Tackle football is expensive sport to play. Sure. Right. But we still see that as a way out of poverty. I mean, you see what I'm saying? And I find a way out of poverty 
part of that national narrative as well. I think it's part of the national narrative because it's still a narrative on class, right? Right. But I'm saying we still see that. So is the way out of poverty is the way out of poverty acting white? I don't. I don't think the way out of poverty is to be anyway, right? I think the way out of po- <laughs> I think the way out of poverty when we start talking about systemic poverty uh-huh. in America uh-huh. is literally some type of policy change and systemic change inside of the American context. But when we talk about poverty, right? When we talk about this 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 concept of old negro new negro, right? I think there are some limitations that we put in there that I would venture to say are not beneficial. Right, because I want, I want, I want folks that can do whatever it is they can. If you have access to it, I want you up in there making ruckus. Now, I want you to, I, I want you to remember where you came from, Tiger. When you get up in there, right? Like, I want you to start to make way for other people to come in there behind you. And so, there is some systemic change. So, there is some, there is some space for people that are impoverished to start to learn that sport that they can walk into that space after you. I, I don't like. There's. For me, I don't think there's anything where, besides something that is intentionally um, demonstrative of wealth, right? Unless you're riding down, you know, Rodeo and you were just throwing money out the Mm -hmm. car or something like that, right? It really is. Yeah, yeah. Unless you are doing something like that. I don't want to. I don't want to say there is something that is off limits, right? There's. I. I prefer to think of it. There are things that we have not had access to. And when we get access to those things and those spaces, we need to make sure we're bringing folks along with us. Okay, so I mean, I, I, I don't want to go off on this tangent yeah, too long, but, but but at the same time, I think it's important for the re, for the listeners to see how we understand when we talk about the narrative and identity. When we start talking about okay, so there are patterns that mm-hmm. are being being displayed in terms of proper behavior, seal of approval. Um, identity that are impactful of our community and some of those things are not positive right and the question is it's all it's not about whether the community and spaces need approval everybody's looking for this sense of belonging right like everybody wants to be in that's why we seek to be in community right it's because we want to belong it's about who's doing the approving Right, right. Like, is who's approving? Are you? Are you? Who are you looking to get approved by? But, but nine times out of ten, when we talk about national media outlet, th- th- those patterns, those those individuals, uh, the Nelson folk, you know, the, the who are setting up the right. programs, they have a certain perspective. I mean, even when you turn the when the average African American person turns on the television or the radio or look on their computer or Facebook or whatever it might be, tweet, they see people influencing outcomes that are not that that are not a part of their community, not a part of the agenda of that community. And not beneficial to it. And not beneficial 100%. to it. hundred percent. And I think I think that's where we have to say who are we getting who are we seeking approval by, right? Like that's why um, the there has to be a subversive nature to even start to impact those those narratives, right? Like so, you because the question becomes, yeah. For me, the question becomes is, you know, who's defining these terms? I mean, you know, who's 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 saying what's dirty? Who's saying what's filthy? Who's saying what's adequate and not adequate? I mean, you know, there there are people in the world that have been functioning for thousands of years very very well without necessarily having the determinants that are being utilized to set up the stereotypical narratives that we see being played out in in uh, American culture, American society. Yeah, but the question, I, I, in the next level of that is saying, when do we, and the folks inside of our communities, start to say, no, this is what we affirm, this is what we don't. I know we're in this community, we we stand as gatekeepers for that's good, that's not good, right? And how do we give power for other individuals to, to make those determinants on their own without it infringing upon us? Okay. Now, see, that's what, to me, that's a problematic. We need to, I mean, I, I agree with that. So let's, yeah, let's unpack it. Let's, let's stay there for a minute. Let's, let's unpack that. Who determines the criteria of what is being a gatekeeper or not? A gatekeeper uh, particular perspective or not? 
I mean, who's who's keeping the gate? And what's the gate keeping in and what's the gate keeping out? Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the, the functionalities when we start talking about gatekeepers, right, is who's willing to stay there long enough to keep the gate? Right. Right? Like, keeping the gate is not something great. It's somebody that says, hey, I'm going to stay here. Right. Right? Like... Right, <laughs> like it's in my opinion, it's very limiting. So, like the question is, who's going to sit there long enough? Who's going to stay in the community long enough to serve in that role? Next is who's willing to serve in the role, right? Like the gatekeeper is not just the one that uh, says what gets in and what gets out. You you got to be the first line of defense if something negative is coming in. But 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 okay, good good good. You're listening to WVLP one hundred three point one on your FM dial. We are streaming live as well at wvlp.org. Listen to us today. Okay, getting back to the program. Sorry about that, but I had to get you know no, station, station identification. Station identification. Okay, yeah, which is part of the gatekeeping. Gatekeeper. <laughs> Anyway, Greg the gatekeeper. <laughs> no, not no, no, brother, not at all. Look, um, then, then how do we begin to define who we are in ways that are self-determinative, that that are not influenced by folks who are pushing a larger narrative about valuation. Here's what we have to understand, right? Anytime you're going to come and exist in community, you're going to come and exist in some narrative that's happening, right? So there's a there's a narrative that's happening, right? Like so Valpo has a very clear narrative. Like just the city of Valpo has a very clear narrative of what's happening. If you are going to live in the city of Valparaiso, Indiana, you are going to adhere to that narrative in some way shape or form because to live and exist in this community forces you into that narrative. If, if, if we want to even go to a lower, right, if we want to talk about the, uh, or broader to, we want to talk about the, the black community, right? Right. There is a narrative to existing inside of, 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 of that community, right? There's, there's an overarching narrative that is at play. Now, the question is, on all of those things, who's influencing and leading those narratives? But there's there's no such thing as existing in a community without having to either directly confront or live or into impacted. that that narrative by that narrative. Right. Okay. Now we're good. Good. We're there. We're there. So now, is the narrative that we see in Valparaiso, or in Northwest Indiana, or in the Midwest, or in the United States? Is those narratives harmful or helpful to the African-American community, especially as it relates to identity of who we are and how we function inside that community? (laughs) And you want me to answer that question? Yes, sir, I do. I want you to at least take a swing. Well, here's here's my swing. I think... And I'm talking as I'll talk right now as an outsider, even though I've been here five years, I'll mm-hmm, talk as an outsider. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first thing I noticed when I came to Northwest Indiana, more specifically to Valpo, was a lack of representation in every aspect of civic life. Right. So I didn't see any black churches. I didn't see any black businesses. I didn't see any black people on city council or in city governance. I didn't see even anybody hired. I didn't see any black police officers. didn't see any black firefighters. I did not see any representation of black or Latinos inside of this inside of the city the only thing that i saw that would that i could say oh this is definitively owned by uh people of color was la cabana when i first got here Laca who la cabana the, the restaurant on lincoln way but anyways that that's the only thing that oh that I, the one that, the, the 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 hispanic restaurant yeah. okay yeah okay the that's the only thing that i saw right so Right there, that told me that there is something in the narrative here that doesn't make it hospitable to or towards or towards embodying uh, people of color. 
Okay, so so all right. So that that's that's number one. Now that was five years ago. That's five years ago. Okay, now put my age on it. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't any different twenty five years ago or thirty years ago. Okay. All right. Um, a little less visible were individuals people of color so much so that when people saw each other they got encouraged because they said oh thank god there's someone else okay now it has changed a bit and and i want to speak i want you to speak to this in relationship to the narrative it seems that when people do see you now in valpo they really don't want to connect with you they want they want the larger community to assume that it's a normative thing to see you or they just don't want to basically communicate as quickly as they did 20 years ago. Yeah. I now, mean, what do you think that is? I think, I mean, so we have to understand all the things that are happening at that intersectional point, right? Like, right. So part of that is a, it's a time in the manifestation of the world, right? Like, right. so like, folks just don't speak like they used to true, 30 years true, ago true right 25 30 years ago like folks used to speak to each other folks don't do that anymore right. people don't say hello they don't say hi good to see you they don't they don't do that anymore so that's at play that's at right play. so th- another thing that's at play is that uh as we as the population of black and brown folks have grown inside of uh-huh. a city like Val like Valparaiso. That still doesn't have huh? it still it doesn't have these these what these, you would call Yeah, it still doesn't have these 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 cultural hubs as of sorts, right? Right. right. Like um as those as as the as the population grows, one of the things that that happens is this automatic um defense mechanism against um microaggressions and the hegemony in this space that wants to say oh all y'all know each other Mm -hmm. right like so that's like so that's like negative feedback right it's it's, it it gets into that loop it's part of that narrative and so what what ends up happening is the way people fight against that narrative is like no i don't know them right right i don't i don't know who that other individual is right right Unless that individual has the wherewithal to understand the need and the and the and the the power of community, and then they say, "Hey, how you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? How you mm-hmm. doing?" And they're like, "Oh, I'm good, I'm good." Right? Like it breaks them out of having to see if they can fulfill I, the 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 counter narrative to what the, is happening in the greater feedback loop of this existence. I do that. I do that, and 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 it's interesting, you know, um, I, you know. For the most part, you get a positive response, or at least a guardedly mm-hmm. positive response. But sometimes you get a very negative response. You know, people look at you like, "I don't know you." Yeah, you know. and, and, and people still have the right to exist that, inside yeah. their humanity. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I mean, <laughs> some people just don't feel like talking to folks. Right. It's not a black, brown, white thing. It's just like I don't like people. Right. You know, and, and so that's 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 there too, and and so I wouldn't say that's. demonstrative of the time or what's going on or black people right now I think that's more demonstrative of the the context and situation that's happening in the broader world as well so you think the narrative is impacting how we are being or striving to be human it's 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 it's, uh, impacting our humanity yeah no it does it yeah. does. Yeah. No, and, and it's not just impacting our humanity. I, I mean, it's humanity. It's impacting humanity. Right. Right? Like, so um, when you have a narrative that's driving as hard as the narrative is, especially in America against people of color, when you have a narrative that's driving that hard, right, one of the things that we have to do and we have to be honest with and our white brothers just have to be honest with is what that narrative is doing to you. Right. Right. That narrative is also taking some time and literally dismantling your ability to see other people's humanity or see people at all. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what that's. Yeah. You don't see people as, as human. Right. And so like you get into these spaces where you start driving in a way that that only affects you that only affects your sense of self and so you have to understand what's happening holistically inside of the conversation humanity and what the narrative is doing right 
at the end of the day, you have to ask the, the I think a, a greater question is why is why are these narratives set up in this way? Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Why why would we send messaging out? Why would we program people to think in ways that are harmful to so many communities? I mean, you know, if you and if you look at um say maybe nine out of ten of the popular shows that are on television, you know, doing prime time. It's always about somebody shooting somebody or somebody's trying to terrorist act or somebody um you know, somebody's chasing somebody across, you know, the border or, you know, things of that nature. So you've got that. So so not only are we hearing from national media the, the struggle with these things, then we see we've got another angle coming at us in terms of uh, of uh, what uh, situation comedies or situation drama that's playing itself out and then. It impacts music. It impacts how people, you know, what people sing about, what people read about, what people write about. Just was watching something talking about um, the roast, how people used to talk about each other, and you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just negative kind of comedy, that kind of thing, is is you know taking a upsurge and things of that nature. Yeah. And, you know, comics are saying, well, it's so much mean-spirited is not out there. You can't really do certain comedy you can't do any longer because if you do that, you know, you find yourself on Twitter or Twitter or something like that. You know, you can't – there's certain things you can't say, can't do, and that is being driven by a particular narrative, a particular narrative. What do you think this is what – what impact do you think this is having on the African-American community? What are the kind of things that you are seeing from your perspective in your travels? Because I know you travel a lot. Um, how are people acting? How are people responding to this kind of stuff? Well, I think it depends on where you are, right? Like, So that's where I think this, the second part of, of our conversation is going to be really important is – one of the things that happens is that are you in spaces where you can get a strong counter narrative? Are you in spaces where you can uh, have somebody breathe and feed another concept into your life? Right. That's why, I, like on the front end, I wanted to mention you know some of the cool things that are happening in Louisville because one of the things that that happens is when you see there are black. Um, exhibitions and art shows and things that are happening, black-owned restaurants and and businesses, right? You have like a huge mecca in the in the um, the the Muhammad Ali Museum that mm-hmm, is an mm-hmm. expose of blackness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In a in a turbulent existence, mm-hmm. right? Of of the the sixties and the seventies, right? And right in Louisville, in, Kentucky. Right in right in Louisville, Kentucky, right? So when you when you have that, those serve as counter narratives to what's being viewed in other spaces. So, so, right? and that's that acts as a counter. People are not saying "aha" or "wow" or you know, this is something extraordinary. This is a normative. Well, and it begins to to serve as a normal place where you get information and learning from, right? Like, so here's the deal: the the narrative is not like this. Unfortunately, it's not like this huge target that you can like zero in on and say right. we cut it right there, we're good, right? It's it's one of those things that's flowing through your psyche, that's flowing through your subconscious in such an effective way that it just says this is what normal is, this is what it should be. So if you don't have anything else like a black-owned restaurant that you can go to and see, no, this is what uh, black 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 people do own businesses, right? Like this is not foreign. Um, when when you see um, them, like when you see these spaces where you have black art and artistry on display, right? When you see those things, it, it serves as a counter narrative, right? Like so, right? And it's 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 it's, it's, it's what everyday people are doing. I right, mean, you know, right? So, it's what it's what it's what's know. happening at that time in your backyard, right? right. Like like so, it's like oh. Now we're not like whatever's happened on TV. Like our, our life's nothing like that, so they don't know what they're talking about, right? Right, and so um, and it's strong enough to to take hold in right. terms of people forming identity, right? Right, right, right. I, I remember being in a, a meeting and and um, we were talking about local art and you know local artists and you know everybody kind of you know dabbles with sculpt or you know does something you know. 
uh, in that in, in African American community. Usually, at least they used to. They might not be doing it as much, like you say. Things change culturally, but I think it's still happening, and I'm pretty sure it's still happening. And one of the things that I was really fascinated by is how uh, certain people in the meeting were saying, "Well, uh, that's a special category of art that we have to create, you know, because we want to call that you know, localized folk art." And you know. I said, no, it's art. It's like, you know, it's, 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 it's just, you know, it's just people doing, expressing themselves like they do. Why do you get to set a special criteria and valuation for what is clearly something that people have been doing for a very long time? Yeah. Why do people, and that's, that's where I'm pushing, I'm pushing toward, why do people have to always control the narrative? Well, I think the, the the why is very simple, because if you can control the narrative, you can control minds, and wow. not on some type of uh, you know pinky in the brain we're gonna take over the world, but literally on a I can help you think about and choose what you're going to buy. I can help you view and think about when you're going to buy it. I can push you to buy only one brand versus another. I can make those brands have to come and pay me incredible dollars to make sure that I put their placement in the the, the TV shows and on these certain time frames because it's going to affect so many people's minds. Like It's all a, a part of uh, this grand narrative that we really ought to call capitalism right and 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 the fact that you need things and you need stuff and you need uh people to uh, consume the things that you create so that you can then have money right like it's it's all a part of that cycle and so why do why do we want to push certain things at the end of the day like at the end of the day the narrative is going to be about resources and finances and, and who has it and who doesn't so at the end of the day are we saying that our, the, the identity of our community will ultimately be decided about the based on the direction of capitalism in this society? Well, if we're going with the mainstream narrative, yes. If if what counter narrative could stand up against that? Well, I, I think there there are several counter narratives that can stand up against that. I think one of the counter narratives that can stand up with that is a is a global counter narrative, mm -hmm. um, and it can stand up against that because it encourages people to get out, see the part of the world, learn about the way things happen someplace else. Um, goes think about things differently think about what can be done differently right the global and that's why you see so many attacks against a global narrative right now right like that's why you say that's why you hear the shut down the border or we gotta watch this or uh, this place or this country is this this country is that they're bad they're this right the reason you see that right now is because a global narrative force is by its nature uh, fairly subversive right like it forces people to think differently and to want to think differently and to want to be demonstrative of something that is different. Well, well, you know, a, a great example of that is, is is the people who, you know, unfortunately are dying on Mount Everest. You know, it's got this long line of folk yeah. because the narrative has been, well, you know, you haven't you you haven't really experienced life until you breach the summit. Right. And so you got these 300 people standing in line in this elevation that where there's no air. Right. And and people are literally stepping over each other along with the, the trash that three hundred people leave when <laughs> when they're climbing it, you know, not to you know, you're not to even talking about that. Uh but that's based on a narrative. A narrative. That that you know, you haven't really lived until you climb Mount Everest. Right. Or you're you're less than or it, it comes from this space of oh well if you don't have money to go to Everest. I mean like I've I've I I've done an Iron Man. I've done Everest. <laughs> I've right. done Kilimanjaro. I've done air. I've I'm I'm always bigger than you. I always have one upmanship than on you, right? Like it comes from these things of needing to prove uh, oneself, right? Like, but there there's this interesting, you know, subversive global narrative that says so, right? But there's this, there's this like there's this there's this DC that's coming. I, I say even from our students, right? Like, and this is why I love like hanging out with our students. Like, they're like I don't care. Like, you think I care about your suit and your tie? I don't care about that. 
Right? Like I don't care. Like what do you want? I don't like I don't care, right? Like that's not what is that, that's not is what, that perspective is uh, how's that perspective going to impact them? We don't know. And that's why, you know, I'm very mindful of the fact that we don't know what's what's going to happen, you know, with that narrative. But it is so subversive to the mainstream narrative right now that man Tons of tons of folks on the mainstream narrative are trying to figure out what do they do with uh, this group of Gen Gen Zers, right? That mm-hmm. that don't they're not in they're not you know they're not um, they're not you know excited about they're not confused about you know this thing that we call they're not buying it they're not they're not buying it and they don't and they're like okay how do we market to this group and they're like I don't want anything you have but. You know, my if little Nas X, you know, comes out and hangs out with us, like great. Like I just want, I just want time, right, right. And so they're screaming like, I don't want, you know, clothes, like whatever, like I, like. So you're saying the younger generation basically is is coming up with a a strong accounting narrative. We well, we're seeing that. We're seeing that. We're seeing it. We're seeing it in terms of uh, that whole industry in terms of CDs and things of that nature. You know, CDs. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. What are those? Yeah, but I mean, you know, the the whole music industry is in a level of revolution. I would think, in that, um, you know. The young people just are not buying the industry any longer dominating, you know, music. They are com- they're coming up with innovative ways in which to share their music. Right. And, and you can't control what I'm going to put out anymore. You can't like, control like, what you yeah. like. I'm, I'm a, my voice is going to be heard, and you're going to hear it in these ways, right? I, you're going to hear my narrative, right? Right. You're going to hear my my version of the shy, not not something that you're just going to program on news every night. Absolutely, right? You're gonna you're gonna see, you're gonna see what I have to I have to say about my city, right? Like, and and you're seeing young people do that. You you're even seeing it like even taking hold mainstream because mainstream starting to say hey we gotta this is what people are watching we better do something with it and then the whole notion of capitalism is is it it it, it, it's rigidity is is forcing them to continue to function inside that antiquated narrative right and so and that's why that's why that's why that's why i would say that you know, similar to what we were talking about earlier with uh, Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. right? The question is not whether, you know, some of these young groups or young people are going to make it mainstream. They're going to make it mainstream because capitalism says, I need to have what people are going to buy, right? What people are going to deal with and what people are going to connect in with, right? Capitalism says, I need to have that. But the question is, once they get there, how do they maintain their sense of self? How do they maintain their sense of identity when they have to walk around the room with individuals that are trying to get them to be somebody else or to say, if you want to make it to the top, this is the way you do it. And they're, how do they maintain their sense of self and their connectivity to their community? How do they maintain maintain their view and their structure and their posture as a counter narrative are we seeing inside these counter narratives the the evolution of a completely different identity that's not that's not in any way connected to the past not in any way connected to um the things that we have seen influence what we commonly call identity today is that change is it changing that radically Ooh, that is a tough question and i'll say I'll, here's the reason why right because there's not there's not a future that's not rooted in the past right like it's not like we we can't we can't create um just in a alternate reality right like this isn't this isn't you know this is this is not this is not a, agree, a, a marvel agree. movie right like but but one of the things that we can see and i think is is important um uh, for us to note is while people are still creating inside their context they are not anchoring themselves in in previous fields of thought in previous ways of thinking right? that's all i'm saying and, and so by bitcoin not, mentality right and so by not anchoring themselves there's a couple of things that they're able to do right they're able to create freely right and they're able to totally dismiss what came before them. Do you do this? 
I I don't see. I'm uh, J Cole has the perfect line for my life, right? Like J Cole says, "I'm little bro and big bro all at once." Like I'm in a situation where I'm in I'm in a generation that's like perfectly in the middle, right? Like so, I'm the one that's like I'm the one that sits in rooms with baby boomers. Right, but I, I then go in the evening. And I sit in a room with Gen Zers and below. Right, like so. I'm like at the same time as I'm like little bro in in, in one room. Like I'm big bro in in the other room. Right, and I'm okay. constantly in those. I'm constantly in both spaces. Right, like so. I would say more so than anything, I'm I end up being the link between these very disparate but very similar. Very similar, especially in terms of ingenuity, in terms of uh, willingness to create, in terms of uh, willingness to project into the future generations, right? The boomers mm-hmm. and the and the Zers, right? Mm-hmm. But I sit, I sit in the middle. The the joy of that, right, is there are some days where I'm able to, okay take the past and I say, well, we have to do something because we're still experiencing this and this is still here. And if we don't talk about this in this way, it's going to perpetuate uh, to people that don't have what you have. I can take that message to the Zers and they're like, oh, that is that is an issue. Let's do something about that. But then on the flip side, I can then from from my time with 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 this younger generation right i can then go up here and say hey we gotta get rid of some of that that's not gonna work like and i can completely move a different way my perspective old old school right i see folks being bullies with the narrative with the popular narrative and i see it and it's not just in conservative communities it's in liberal communities. It's in communities in the right and communities in the middle and communities in the, to the left. I mean, in terms of individuals using the overall narrative to serve their interests. And so my question is, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, even though I, it's good to hear that the Zers or, you know, whoever is out there that's new is coming up with stuff that's, you know, uh, contrary. For the most part, this capitalism attitude is deep within the DNA of how people perceive what is real and what they value. And part of that narrative is you make people do the things that you have interest in doing and you use money to do it. Do you see that changing? To some extent, yeah. To some extent, no. Like, cause here's here's the here's the issue, right? Like, the issue is that people are still hungry, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's at about the end food. of the day, people 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 want to be able to buy food. They want to be able to take care of their mama and 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 and, and them, right? They want yeah. they want they want to have things, right? Like, and so to some extent, it is changing because there there are pockets of people that says like, I don't. Like, you don't want to function that I way. I don't want to function that way. I don't like that. I don't want to be. Does it make I don't want to be driven good? driven by money. Like I want to be driven by like by like my artistry. I want to be driven by like the things I'm passionate about, right? Um, but at the end of the day, we're typically starving those people out, right? And we do it. We we starve those individuals out with a vengeance, right? Like we starve them out because first thing we do is that we we dismiss them, right? We say you're crazy. I see this happening in academia. Yeah, big time. But that's yeah, we can get into that conversation. But that's because academia has moved away from teaching people how to think and moved into this concept of teaching people what to think. The narrative, right? Teaching the narrative, and the reason academia is teaching the narrative is because academia is on the capitalism tip too. Wow. Right. And so, no, I don't want to teach people what to think. Right. Like, I, if if we if we truly want truly want to be academicians, like it's like, no, here's all the ways you can think. Now, what's going to serve you best? You got to choose that for yourself. Right. It's it's not just a uh, academic exercise, but it's also a moral exercise uh, that equips people to go out and to oh, navigate the world. Taken off the table. Well, that's taken off the table. But why is that taken off the table? Because the goal has now been to make people shift these things Balance into the jobs. Budget. Right, like in in like you need to be able to get a job, right? And who's hiring, 
Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there aren't any Zers hiring right now, right? Very few, right? right? There aren't, there are very few millennials that are hiring, right? Right? There's the no most, most of people, everybody's in a Zuckerberg, you know, right? That's, like I said, there's very few, right? Like most right. of the people that are hiring right now are either Xers or, or, or boomers. Right, right. Like, and what is what is there? So you got to think like an X or you a boomer. Think like an X or a boomer, right? And and so now we're we're going to get into this like critical clash, right? Like, so I I project over the next ten years we're going to see about three or four bubbles like literally explode inside of the economic system mm-hmm. because you're going to have a group of people that's like I don't care about that. Like I rather like I'm just gonna go live my life over here. I don't care about yeah. that stuff. And then you're gonna have to Yellowstone or something, right? Like I'm out of here. And then you have another group that's gonna like. That's what I've been bred for, right. and so they're gonna come. And there's gonna be even a third group that says, "I'm taking everything that I can well, when I can." I, 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 yeah, and and I think the third group is gonna be the group that ends up canceling out, right? Like you can't exist in those two ways of thinking without having some some issues, right? Like what, like cognitive dissonance. What happens when two narratives, right, come in contention with each other? Yeah, you have this thing called dissonance, right? Like, like your your mind's like either gonna double down on what you've been taught, or you're going to literally reshape your thinking, reshape your action to to exist that way. And so, right now, as a country, we're coming into this dramatic space of dissonance, right? And I would I I would be, you know. I would say this dissonance was caused by our political climate of moving from a narrative bending individual known as Barack Obama, right, to a doubling down, a reaffirming of the narrative inside of Donald Trump. So, so the, the, the class conflict and the racial conflict is inevitable. Is what you say? I mean, yeah. I mean, it is right. Like, so as long as people are hungry, right? As long as people are hungry, as long as people are starving, right? Right. right. Like, like you're gonna have this 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 con this consciousness of this class conflict, right? And in a system and in a world where the only way that you can quote unquote be rich is to make somebody else poor, right? Then you're gonna you're gonna exist in inside of these consciousness, right? I I was in a meeting earlier this week um, uh, in the city and was talking to a couple of different folks, and one of the things that came up was the concept of pay, right? And who's getting and who's getting paid and how are they getting paid and and is it a fair and equitable wage? And and the first thing the guy says, oh well, I've heard about all that fight for fifteen stuff, and you know, like what are you gonna do for fifteen dollars an hour? What are you? What are you? What are you doing uh, that equates to fifteen, you know, dollars an hour? Are you willing to come in early, leave late, da da this, da da that? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I turned to him. I said, well, "So, what are you doing for your hundred and twenty thousand dollars an hour? Or, I mean, a year?" I was like, "I was like, let's 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 understand this, right? If your institution falls right now, you can't feed yourself, right? right. Because everything that you've built on is on a concept." Of needing somebody else to be under you, the only way your hundred and twenty thousand, the only way you you make your hundred twenty thousand is if there are people making seven and ten beneath you that can actually do the work. And here's the issue: they're saying, "Whoa, why are you doing this?" And you have none of the requisite skills to do what we do. Right. Right. Which is a legitimate question. Which is a legitimate question. And so one of the things that, you know, and as we're going back and forth, of course, um, inside these conversations, people get in their feelings a little bit. I said, so what makes your skills more valuable than their skills besides a narrative that says that they are? But see, that's been going on for generation after generation. It has. And, and I mean, you know, and it's fueled by. See, that that's what's so insidious. I think you, to use your, your word, you know, like you know that. <laughs> is that you know the national media, the news media, the programmatic media, mm-hmm. narratives, the music, the academic environments are all set under that same narrative. Yeah. I mean, so it's very few counter narratives. Where are we gonna where are we gonna find and generate enough counter narrative to avoid the influence of that that national well 
and and that, and that's that's the question, right? Like where where are we going to find and avoid that, right? Here, when we start thinking about the economic shape and policies that we're we're leaning on, like we're leaning on those economic policies because guess what? The people that somehow ended up in power, like they ended up in these spaces, they're there because literally they can't do anything else. Like I I challenge what what would what would your life be like? And this is to all the all the fat cats, all the billionaires, right? Right. What would your life be like? Tell me what. Would you be able to do? What would where where would your plot in life be if everybody had the same amount of money? Mm. What makes you special? What makes you more beneficial? What makes your ideas better? Right? What makes if if I can go and fund my own ideas and I don't need to talk to you and you're not gonna take 50% of my idea, right? Like right, let's 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 unpack that. Like if 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 we take money out of the equation, what what puts you in any effective space where you can do what others folks can't well the the answer to that is is that there isn't anything you know that you know like i mean you know if we, if we start off on the same line if so to speak in terms of idea and don't have the same penalties for poverty right mm-hmm. it changes how the world looks but i mean you know it, it's a fascinating quagmire, I think, in terms of American culture, American society, because we are caught essentially in a in a trap, so to speak, that basically is not going to change unless we can involve ourselves deeply in a counter narrative that basically can divert outcomes. Right. And and we have to be committed to that counter narrative. Like I, I think I, I think we get it and I, I get it. Let me talk about me for a little second, I mean, right? Let, I well go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well no, I, I exist I exist between two narratives. Right. Right? And and part of that is survival, but then the other piece of that is am I always committed to the counter narrative? Right. Right. And like what like what does that mean for me to be holistically committed to that narrative? What do you lose? Right. What do you gain? What do I lose? What do I gain? What if I wasted time on? Wow. Right. Like, what are what are some things that I've committed a lot of time to that uh, that doesn't matter? Right. Right. Degrees right. and things of that nature. Well, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, the example I look at, you know, a, a guy hits a foul ball, pops a, a four year old kid upside the head. Simple, simple, and you know, he goes down on his knees. You know, they make it a national kind of most mm-hmm. most tweeted kind of thing. Oh my God, he's worried and concerned about the kid because he's got kids. Put up a damn net, <laughs> you know, but they won't they won't put the net up they because won't. they say they say well it it it, it 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 influences how I see the game, right? Because the game ought to be washed without nets. I said, you just hit a kid upside the head, probably gave a brain damage or something, you know, in terms of a foul ball. A simple kind of thing. But I, I, t- I told my wife, I, told my, I was talking to my wife last night, and I, and I, told, I, told, I told her this. I was like, you know what I get, t- like, I get tired of seeing? I said, I, I, I mean, it, they're emotional and, I, and I, they're good, but the, um, when a soldier returns home and they like surprise the kids and their families and everything uh-huh, uh-huh. and those are just tear jerkers right and everybody's like oh and they get click click click, click like totally and they should right like I'm so excited when somebody just went and put their life on the line when they get to come home that's a good thing that's right good when thing. people come home right but that gummy, I'm, I'm like here's what I want to post under all of those. Like, how about we stop doing dumb stuff that keeps sending people to war? How about we start doing dumb stuff that puts people in these situations, right? Like, how about we do something like that? But no, like no, no, we gonna keep fighting with Iran. We're gonna try to get in a fight with North Korea and not give them right? the right equipment to and do what they got right. Like, and so it's like we're gonna get in, we're gonna get into those into those pieces. But we're not right? gonna have that conversation. And then, we're not going to have that conversation, right? And and it's because of something. And, and when I was down in Dallas, I got to hang out with my my dad for a little while, right? But it's like everybody everybody wants to talk about everybody wants to be a good Samaritan, right? Like we talk about the good Samaritan as if that is the preeminent position inside the parable of the good Samaritan, right? The preeminent position inside the I want to be the Samaritan, right? I want to be the person that comes along and sees somebody hurt and does something about it, right? I don't want to be the Levite, right? Like I don't want to be the other Jewish person that passed on the other side, right? Like I want to be the good Samaritan that then goes and puts him in the hotel and pays for a hotel and if you spend anything more than I spent then I'll give it to you on my way back. I want to be the good Samaritan right everybody wants to be a good Samaritan nobody ever says you know what 
I want to be the person that fixes this damn road. Like, I'm tired of, of like people getting jacked on this road. Let me let me do something that's gonna fix this road, right? Like nobody says, wow, like why 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 do I want to just be the good Samaritan? No, I want to be the person that's gonna look out and say, let's fix this road. Let's make sure people aren't getting robbed up and down this highway. Well, we certainly have filled our time with talking about this this narrative and counter narrative. We need to have a part two on this and talk about how it it has affected specifically the African American community and what the future looks like. We'll have to do that at another time because our time is up for the day. Until we meet again, morning black building leaders and cultural knowledge. Have a great day and watch that narrative out there. Have a great day.